How can using professional enrollers help increase revenue and client satisfaction? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of the Shift Shapers podcast is brought to you by Captivated Health, a captive insurance arrangement that helps small and mid-market companies escape the fully insured marketplace and delivers stability, control, and savings without watering down employees' benefits or increasing their premium share. If you have clients in the educational institution or the engineering vertical, go to our website at CaptivatedHealth.com or click on the company logo on the Shift Shapers website. For a lot of really interesting reasons, there's been a renewed interest in enhanced benefits. And, and there's always the question when you talk to benefit advisors about that about what the best way is to enroll folks to be both effective and efficient. And our guest today, Allison DePauli, who's founder and benefit enrollment expert at DePauli Professional Services, practices in this area and has studied it extensively. And we thought that Allison could help us answer some of those questions. So with that, welcome, Allison. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you today. Now, there are lots of benefit administration systems, and some of them have pretty decent decision support tools. But you still counsel that one-on-one enrollment is best. Why is that? I do. One-on-one enrollment is best for a few reasons. First, it is still the creme de la creme of communication. There is nothing that beats a person sitting with another person to have a full explanation of their benefits. Today, forward-thinking brokers are talking more and more about medical management, cost containment, skinny networks, Rx discounts, where you go to get the best care. That is a lot for a C-suite to absorb, let alone a a regular employee, even mid-level and senior-level executives. Most people spend about 10 minutes a year on their benefits. And when you start to insert services like this, they do require a fair amount of communication, not just on a one-on-one basis, but in a variety of manners. So decision-making support in an online benefits enrollment, an app on your phone that will help you find a provider, regular communication from HR, as well as the traditional group meeting. So when you piece it together one thing at a time, if you're getting to six or seven forms of communication, you've fully addressed the communication needs of the group. So it's not an either or, it's kind of more of an all of the above. I think it's an all or above. I worked for a gentleman who I just loved who gave me the rule of eights when I was teaching a group of people something new. And and I'm not an overly patient person. And I was not allowed to express my impatience until I had explained something eight times. Once I explained it eight times, I could lose my patience. And rarely did I get to eight times. So when you're communicating in a variety of, of fashions and over a period of time, People start to absorb what they need to do better. Most people want to control their cost. They want the best care. They want to pay the least for their prescription drugs. They want to know what to do when they need to do it, and they need to know how to piece everything together. So the more tools you give them, the easier it is for your your employees to appreciate the benefits that you've worked so hard on. Well, that, make, that makes perfect sense. Now, 
are there certain market size segments that lend themselves more to one-on-one enrollment as opposed to other methods? Traditionally, there has been a lot of public sector and large employer focusing on one-on-one enrollment. And a lot of that has been product-driven sort of in the enhanced benefits arena. That is changing with the advent of so many new tools and so many different kinds of ways to piece your benefits package together. It is becoming a more holistic communication mechanism. So when when we send a team or when the the industry standard now for sending a team is that they're going to communicate all the benefits, they're going to get your medical questions answered, they're going to refer you where you need to go to find this piece of information. They have their own tools to make sure you understand how to use an app or an advocacy line or an RX discount plan. So it's much more holistic and as that becomes more prevalent, you see more and more employers engaging in that service. So used to be 1,000, maybe 500. Now you're dropping that into the 500, the 200, the 50. And for small employers, it's always been more personal. Maybe you weren't talking about a whole host of products, but if you have an employer with 20 or 25 or even 40 or 50 employees and it's been your case for a while, you know who those people are and they're going to come to you with questions. So would you recommend if it, if it, in that kind of a situation that the benefit advisor do that enrollment themselves rather than sending somebody from their office because they are so visible and so familiar to the case? I think that all benefits need to be sold, not in an uncomfortable, high-pressure way, but I do think that they require some explanation and you know, sales education are very similar tools. You are explaining something to somebody so that they see the value in it. And I think a professional salesperson is best suited to that. And I think it also allows that professional to see what is actually happening and what people like, what they don't like. If you don't do that, there's a lot of miscommunication or misinformation, and you can solve a lot of problems in that sort of one-on-one environment or small group meeting environment when it's a small employer. So if I understand you correctly, what you're saying, especially in the smaller segments, is for advisors who are being asked to do more with less, whose staffs maybe have gotten pared back a little bit because of commission compression, it's critically important for them to do those one-on-ones because they will ultimately lessen the service burden of their office staff? I think it does lessen the burden of their service staff. It also gives them a pulse on what is happening. And I know it can be a little scary to do a one-on-one enrollment yourself. You can hybridize for that. You can do some one-on-one. You can benefit platforms are getting more and more user-friendly and useful for smaller case sizes. You can introduce that into your case as well. And that is a great opportunity to, to grow the benefits package. So is this one-on-one enrollment, is it art or science or someplace in between? I think the technical aspects are science, but I think there's a lot of art to it. And I, I think, you know, a sales process, it's a sales process. And, you know, the best sales processes are structure and personal delivery. And personal delivery is all art. And I think it's very important to know and to be able to read your audience as to what is important. There's a lot of research about the generational differences and how people like to be communicated to. The reality is that the baby boomer generation and the forgotten generation, as well as the millennials, they all want information. They just want to receive it differently. 
But when they want a question answered, they want a question answered by a person. They don't want to necessarily talk to artificial intelligence or into a chat box. They want to talk to a person who can explain it fully. So would you change your approach talking to the having the same conversation with a boomer versus a millennial, even though ultimately you're going to deliver the same information? I think you should always tailor your communication to the person sitting in front of you. And I think one of the big misconceptions is that older people and younger people have different risk tolerances. The millennial generation actually has a risk tolerance that is much more similar to the greatest generation than to my generation. It's interesting because they're also savers like the greatest generation. They are. As they're becoming more and more a part of the the middle of that bell curve of the workforce, it, it, that's becoming more and more apparent. And it's fascinating that you make that that connection as well in terms of risk. Yes, they, they're very risk averse for for the most part. Not every not every person. They are also very interested in understanding what they have, and I think it's it's really important to take the time to explain it to them. And now a word from our sponsor. Captivated Health is a single-source solution for your clients and prospects in the education and engineering verticals. The founders of Captivated Health have 35 years' experience working with healthcare and benefit clients, and over that time, they've developed a keen understanding of the unique problems mid-market clients experience. Frustrated by a lack of control, the unpredictability of ever-increasing healthcare costs, and the pressures and regulations of the Affordable Care Act, These groups have been adrift in the fully insured commercial marketplace. Until now, Captivated Health has built a program that solves those problems and does so with virtually no disruption to employees while saving clients millions of dollars. We wanted you to be among the first to know that Captivated Health is building a national distribution partner network so you can bring this cutting-edge solution to your education and engineering clients that you advise. To learn more about Captivated Health's solution, Go to our website at www.captivatedhealth.com or click on our logo on the Shift Shapers website. Now, their personal responsibility amounts on all of the plans that are being sold these days are going up. Is that driving a particular set of enhanced benefits, a particular set of products that you're seeing more interest in than we might have five years ago? Absolutely. Gap insurance is becoming more prevalent And it's becoming more something that the employer might pay for, or there might be a cost-sharing arrangement between the employer and the employee. And that will help alleviate some of the out-of-pocket burden. Accident and critical illness are still the standards. And if you bake those into your planning process, so when you're sitting down with your renewal and you're deciding how you're going to manage for the next year, if you, you've got a, a good accident product and a good critical illness product, you can eliminate risk for a significant number of medical events. And a good gap or hospital indemnity plan, depending on, on what your client's needs are will help eliminate a little bit more of the risk. It can be a real challenge to be a young family and, and starting, starting your family, you know, newly married and starting your family and your maximum out of pocket is $4,500 if you want to have a child. That's a, a, you know, a pretty big hit. So baking the gap plan or the hospital indemnity plan into the coverage can help eliminate that. So when you say baking in, is it kind of an opt-out situation? Everyone is assumed that they're going to get this, or is it everybody gets it whether you want it or not? I think it can be either. In some situations, you want a gap plan that's baked in, and everybody who goes into the medical plan gets that, and then that 
needs to be discussed in your group meeting and your one-on-one follow-up, but it doesn't have to be, particularly for smaller employers. What offering a gap or a hospital indemnity plan on a voluntary basis allows is for the employer to have a little more flexibility to increase their deductible or their out-of-pocket and offer this alongside. I think it works best when those decisions are made, when the plan designs are being reviewed and the funding is being reviewed as well. Then you know how you can pivot and how you can move. And and to be truly effective, it's helpful if you can watch that plan develop over three to five years. So don't plan just for this year, plan for the next for next year and the year after and three and four years down the road. Does the culture of a particular employer pay into the decision of how those baked-in benefits are offered? It absolutely does. Most employers really try to do the right thing by their employee. Employees are a valuable asset, and they really do try to do the right thing, and they may not understand how to both do the right thing for their employee and do the right thing for their operating budget. And if you have all this on the table to start with, you have more flexibility in both situations. In your practice, do you find that, can you generalize, are there certain types of employers that tend to go one way versus certain types of employers who maybe tend to go in another direction? More forward-thinking employers tend to look at a more holistic package, and employers in industries that are very competitive for talent look at more holistic benefit packages and what they can add that will attract or retain an employee. Talent can be very difficult to keep. Talented employees, you want to keep them. It costs 20% on the low end to replace an employee if they leave. That can be a substantially higher cost for a, a more high-level employee. So you want to do what you can to retain them. And by enhancing your benefits package, you have an opportunity to do that. The other thing I'd like to point out is that employees don't necessarily expect an employer to pay for everything or even to contribute to everything. Particularly with younger employees, they want to know how many dollars they have to spend. So more like a defined contribution or defined contribution for this, you're going to get that. And the other things they will participate in in them or not, whatever it is that works best for their situation. And not everybody's the same, but everybody wants a benefits package that works for them. Of course. And I, and you know what I've started hearing is that especially millennials are keen on tailoring that for themselves. Is that Would that be an accurate statement? Absolutely. Much more so than older generations. So is this like an awful lot of other employer-based initiatives? Would it be fair to say that communication and education, even prior to enrollment, are really key and a commitment from the C-suite? Commitment from the C-suite is the most important indicator of success. Fascinating. So if, if you're if you're talking to a benefit advisor long before the enrollment happens, how do you counsel them? What's what's that conversation like? What what should they be talking to those C level folks about? They should be talking about benefits packages as a capital expense and not an operating expense. For the most part, employees are considered a capital expense and not an operating expense. And benefits packages need to be managed. Every process in most businesses is managed. Everything you buy, everything you sell has a purchase price, a value. Everybody's looking for how to reduce their costs. How can I buy it more effectively? How can I buy it 
use it more effectively? How can I buy it more inexpensively? By considering benefits to be a capital expense, you put some of that thought right into the process. You're starting there. It's not coming later. So you want your unit cost to be as low as possible. By considering it a capital expense, that is a C-suite understanding of what that is. Oh, I should look at it as a business expense. How do I manage it? Yeah, it, it's fascinating that uh, back in the days when I was selling, it's fascinating that employers will spend months evaluating a $200,000 piece of equipment, but they don't want to spend more than an hour talking about their $4 million medical plan. Correct. And that $4 million medical plan, if it's not being managed, can probably be delivered for a significantly lower cost. Absolutely. So back to advisors. Some advisors have a perception that enroll, using an enrollment firm, using professional enrollers, is too costly. But if a one-on-one enroller is more productive, where's that crossover point and how do they figure out where that line is? Traditionally, enhanced benefits have been used to fund a one-on-one enrollment. There are some costs and there are some risks. You do need buy-in from the C-suite. There does need to be a commitment to making sure that every employee is communicated to on a one-on-one basis. So there is some skin in the game for an employer. There's some time, there's some making sure people get through the enrollment. So the cross is how effectively do you need your benefits to be used? And how much do you value how your employee is using their benefits? If an employee can feel more satisfied in their job because they've had this experience, which realistically takes about 20 minutes per employee, and that increases your retention by 3%, 5%, 8%, what is that worth to you? And what I think you'll find is that that cost at one-on-one enrollment is well under that in cost. And one of the things that you've been nice enough to do is provide for Shift Shapers listeners a link. If, if listeners click on the link to your logo that's on the right-hand side of the Shift Shapers online page, or they look in the show notes there, you've made available a couple of calculators that will help advisors figure that out. Can you talk a little bit about those two different calculators and why you use them and, and how they help? Sure. There's two calculators there, as you said. One is for use if you are conducting your own enrollment using enhanced benefits, some traditional products like accident or critical illness that have a fair amount of heaped first-year commission built in. And you can see what revenue you can drive, and, and that will help you determine how much expense you want to, to use when you're doing your one-on-one enrollment. The other calculator there is for if you're using an enrollment partner to help you with your enrollment. The commissions are lower if you're using a partner, but those dollars are completely expense-free. So if you're looking at increasing your revenue by 15 or 20%, that is revenue that will go directly to your bottom line. If you prefer to do it yourself, there will be some costs. There will be some time out of the office. You will probably need an online enrollment platform. Those are very cost-effective and becoming a standard of business like good customer service, whereas five years ago, that was a, a newfangled toy. And you might need some of your own staff out of the office for groups that are a little bit larger. Your call. And you may want to mix and match that up. You may find that with this group of employers, you want to use that yourself. So you'll you'll understand how much revenue you're driving for yourself. And there may be other instances where you want to use a partner for that. And you, you'll you see how much the enrollment actually costs because there is a commission split built into that. And you'll see how much revenue you'll drive directly to your bottom line. 
So at the end of the day, it's really a balance between being effective and being efficient, right? Correct. Isn't it always? Well, Peter Drucker thought it was, but you know, other folks, not so much. You know, benefits advisors, one of the one of the nice things that I think that's happening, if you can say there's a nice thing that's happening from the commission compression that's going on and from being asked to do more with less is that I think a lot of benefits advisors are really starting to look at their businesses as a business rather than just going out and dropping product on folks. And I think ultimately that's a, that's a very good thing. But this notion of being effective and efficient hasn't always been part of the calculus of all benefits agencies, as as you know. And today, I think it, it it's more. I presume you're seeing that as well in your discussions. I am seeing that in my discussions. And I, I think in every market, there are some brokers that are more forward-thinking and more more, thinking more like businesses than about just running an insurance agency, which f- I agree with you has often not run as a traditional business. So we have about a minute or two left, and, and we always like to wrap up our, our interviews by asking our subject matter experts, where do you see the future? What what do you see happening with enhanced benefits and then how firms such as yours and others in the industry interact with benefit advisors? I think one of the most important things to understand about enrollments is there are basically two parts. There is the project management. How do I execute and deliver this project? You know, I need a timeline. I need materials. I need some structure. And then it's a communication piece. And how am I communicating to all of the different parties? Because there's the C-suite, there's the HR suite, there's an employee, there's a management staff, there's on the other end, there's carriers. How am I getting this information back to carriers? So there's a whole host of tools that you can play with. And to me, that's the interesting part. You know, there's apps now where you can provide advocacy service and you can provide access to medical management, to telehealth, to drug discounts. Where is the most effective place for me to get my drug? My ID cards can be in there. You can do a text messaging campaign. Hey, everybody, wellness fair is next week. Please come. We're going to make sure that your wellness benefits get filed. You know, those are all different kinds of tools. So, the fun to me is integrating them all together. And it looks like there's going to be a lot more fun as we get deeper and deeper into this world of enhanced benefits. It's It certainly has become something that, for all the reasons we discussed, is becoming more prevalent, or there's a resurgence, I guess you might say, in that area. But a great place to, to leave our interview. Allison DePauli, founder and benefit enrollment expert at DePauli Professional Services. Allison, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with the Shift Shapers audience. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Strategic Vision Publishing and David Saltzman. This podcast may not be reproduced in any form, in whole or in part, without the express written permission of the producers. All rights reserved. Thank you.